This episode is in partnership with Authority Magazine. Authority Magazine, a medium publication, is devoted to sharing in-depth and interesting interviews featuring people who are authorities in business, pop culture, wellness, social impact, and tech. Today, we're going to talk to an entrepreneur that started out in the fashion industry, interested in sustainability in a world of disposable everything. His first company was called Mod Robes, and now he's getting ready to launch another he calls Halliday. He is a creative Canadian serial entrepreneur, and his name is Stephen Saldabas. Stephen, welcome to Believe in People. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we're thrilled. And uh, okay, so I'm going to start with this. Dangerous this may be. Uh, here's an observation. You live like a samurai warrior. In fact, I think you created, and I think I saw that the head of uh, the Zoom call, the hero formula. And it's more really about finding your purpose. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, like not taking the path expected. So I know you're an entrepreneur, and yet that doesn't necessarily make it easier, probably harder. But how did you crack that open for yourself, your own life? How did you find that for you? Uh, so for me, it was um, my first big business out of uh, school when I was younger in my 20s was a clothing company, Mod Robes, in Canada. And um, it became, I'd been working uh, and I was like a good artist and a designer and I'd been doing clothing stuff since I was like 12 years old. Um, and so once I graduated from business school, I started Mod Robes and it became very successful. Like within five years, I was a millionaire. I wasn't even 30. I wrote myself a check for a million dollars, cars, houses, the whole deal. Um, and I, I kind of like it was my dream as a kid. And when I got there, I was just like extremely disappointed um, because I didn't feel any different. The people around me were not the like glorified humans that I had dreamed that I would be around and surrounded by. Um, they were actually worse, uh, greedy, like trying <laughs> to take me down, like lawyers. And like, it was just a, it, I just was really, really uh, disappointed. And I was very naive about it. And so um, I really didn't like it. And I thought if this is it, like, I don't want, I don't want to be part of this because I want something better. So that sort of started me on this path of like, what do I want to, what do I really want to do? Because when I was a kid, I wanted to design clothing and design shoes and have this cool thing. And Nike was my inspiration. Um, when shoes went from, you know, white and black to these colorful, like really cool checked kind of running shoes, I was inspired for the whole sportswear thing. And it was just like, and I was in love with that whole kind of sportswear sport sportswear realm and doing stuff that was really fun and colorful and stuff like that. So once I got that out of my system, I'm like, what else is there? Because this isn't fulfilling at all. Um, and so that kind of put me on this sort of like 20 year journey of trying to figure out like what I really wanted and what would make me happy and what was my purpose in life. So in the interim, I mean, I just, my son was there and I got divorced and dropped the company and moved on. Um, and I really just wanted to figure out, you know, who I was really. And so that was this, this journey of figuring that out. And over the past 20 years, 
the hero formula is like the code that I sort of wanted to crack for myself and for my son as well. And a, and a way to sort of give you uh, your path and lay it out for you, which is essentially telling you who you are deeply and what you want and then getting you to go for it. So that's really what the hero formula is. And then once I had that opportunity to, to do it, once I was like, okay, my son is good. You know, he's going to be on his man years. I'm going to boot him out of the house and get him going on that. And I was like, one of the things that I discovered in creating the hero formula was that my core is adventure. I want adventure and I want freedom. So, and then Baja just came up as this like cowboy country kind of relatively, not really discovered, but just a really um, great opportunity to go off grid, live on the beach to a certain extent, um, explore a whole new way to live because I've become very sick of North America and our style of living in the consumerism and sort of the lack of meaning and that sort of thing. And so this just gave me the opportunity to like get my adventure, get my freedom and really, really finish out the, the hero formula and, and live it and see if it gets me what I want. Um, and I can say so far that it's batting like 85 to 90%. Like it's, wow. this is uh amazing challenges. And it's as, you know, it's as, it's as simple as like, I didn't know how to fix a toilet. And so I had, so I built my own outdoor toilet and shower, and now I know how to build one and fix it and maintain it. And it's actually really easy to do. Like, huh. like that's the, this is the fun of being off grid. And then I built my own solar power system so I could power up my trailer because I live in a trailer and there's just my neighbors are donkeys and cows and camels and goats. And uh, it's just a different way to live. And it challenges me in a whole different way. And I really, really like it. And I'm on the land and it feels good. And I'm in the ocean and it feels amazing. So that's right. the long form. So take me. <laughs> So, but that means, uh, that doesn't mean that you stopped being an entrepreneur and stopped creating because you're about to launch your next project. Exactly. Um, the, the sort of the creative part of me just never sleeps. And I think I've realized that like, I just love solving creative problems and they always come up in life. So for me, it's like, um, the hero formula is what was the next level because it's like, I want to solve this problem for myself. And then the problem that I see out there. And first of all, it's with men and young men. And I'm, I'm a member of this group called the Arca Brotherhood, which is basically a group of men. It's about building better men because what's happened through my generation and part of what like troubled me and threw me off of my path was that we don't have good structure. We don't have good systems to create really good people in the sort of the sense that you have, you're honest, you have integrity, you're responsible, you're accountable. That we just don't have good examples of that in our culture. And I think that's a big part of why our culture is a mess right now. And we're wondering, you know, is this whole society going to collapse? And I think a lot of that is because people don't have. They don't, have, they don't know how to figure out their path. They don't have good examples of what to do in life. And greed and money has taken over 
as like where there was, you know, God and family and uh, community before. And it's like greed and individualism. And I think that's been a real shift. And it also, you know, it ruined 20 years of my life because I was infected by that. And I, I wanted to build something that was good for me, that was good for my son, and that I could give to other people so that they could potentially find a better way to live their life that makes them happier, makes them more fulfilled and gives them meaning. So, hey, Stephen, so two questions. Who inspires you? And second, what is the first step to the hero formula? The first thing somebody needs to do. Okay. So the first one is, and this is actually part of the hero formula. Like I have three heroes and one of them is on my shirt, which is Carl Jung. Um, and it's mainly because of what he's, his, his understanding of psychology and shadow work and your blind spots and really understanding like who you are and being, and getting into the uncomfortable part of the stuff in your, in about you that you just don't like, or that has been shamed since you were a kid. So the psychology of that, very interesting to me. Second one is Friedrich Nietzsche, because he's like the birth of like the awakening of becoming who you are. Like I, my theory is he like kind of created modern psychology because of just, a, just his insights and how out there he was. Um, and the third one is Jordan Peterson because wow. I'm Canadian, he's Canadian, and he takes both of those guys and, and gives it a modern context. And for me, when Jordan Peterson first came out um, and first started doing his rounds and speaking in Canada, I went to see him a bunch of times and I was absolutely 100% inspired because of his personal responsibility and the idea of like something as simple as like his theory of like make your bed and metaphorically it's like, or clean your room. And so metaphorically for me, that was like, oh, this is a wake up call. I need to get out of this sort of like this infected thing about like, oh, humans are a virus. We've ruined the planet. This, the whole environmental things, we're destroying the, the planet for ourselves. And it sort of started to make me look inside and go, no, I need to, to take care of myself, be responsible. And then that that will come out into the community, into the world. And that's what's going to make the world the better place. Not complaining, pretending you're a victim or or just doing nothing and going down the sort of nihilist, like it's all over. We can't do anything about it. Uh, this sort of, this infection that I'd, I'd gotten and I blame the media, but um, that's the place where I was. So those are my three heroes that inspire me. And the second question, I can't remember. Is um, what, uh, the first part of the hero formula? The so the first part of the hero formula is understanding where you are currently in your life and being able to to map it out and it's, it's five areas it's your your financial independence i call it your mind health your body health your family and your relationships and then like your your purpose in life or your you can call it like your soul or sort of your your esoteric kind of practices all of those three in one so it's it's understanding those five areas and realizing that you know, if there's a problem in any one of those five areas, then this is what you have to look at to, to get your life on a better path. It's really breaking down your life into these sections so you can understand it better. And then you can start to figure out, you know, where your 
failing or where you're just not being your best and where you need to or want to work on it. So that's the that's the real starting point. And the other part of that I'll add is that there's a system to help you find what you value. And as in the hero formula, your values are like your, your rudder for a ship. Like if you don't understand your values, you don't know where you're going. And for me, that's what happened when I, I got to a certain point in my life and I was very successful is I lost my rudder. I was like, this was what I wanted to get. And after that, I was like, I was aimless. I was like, okay, what do I do now? And I didn't understand that the way that I acted was like core to who I, who I was. And if I understood that, I would just look at my values and go, oh, this is obviously what I have to do now. And I could match my decisions in life against my values and I would find the right path for me. But I didn't, in fact. I matched them against my values and that's what took me down the wrong path. And I'll say the easy one is um, greed took me down the wrong path. Right. When I got up into a certain level of business, I got surrounded by people who were like, grow, 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 grow. And that's not what I wanted intrinsically. And that made me really bitter and disillusioned with what I was doing with my company at the time. And that made me like literally shelve it and dump it and walk away from the industry because I was so angry and so bitter about the environment that I, what I was in. And it was much different from where I started, which was the adventure and the freedom and for doing something that people found real value in. Hmm. Well, I can't uh, let this conversation end uh, without a question about Jordan Peterson, because Jordan Peterson has certainly uh, changed, or at least changed in 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 the mind's eye of many in the public. You yes. know, um, I read his his first book as well, where he's telling young men to be responsible and look after themselves and and comport themselves in in a, in a sort of uh, responsible way. But, um, you know, a lot of people look at him now as if he's some kind of a crank on, on the sidelines. And I don't know where I don't know where his persona came off the rails. I know that uh, that it, it, people have sort of tried to cancel him now. But I guess sure. what I, I, I've got to ask you, and that is, is that are you still supportive of his initial his initial um, statements about you've got to grow up? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And that's actually something I wrestled with for a long time. And I think the answer is, the answer is, first of all, yes, 100%. Do I agree with some of the like, you know, nasty comments he's made on Twitter or whatever about certain people? Probably not. But his his core message is amazing and it's great. And so, and because it advocates for personal responsibility. And I will say that, I just watched yesterday, he has formed this um, this group called ARC to, to offset this other group called WEF. And the ARC group is the sort of like the Association for Responsible Citizenship. And really he advocates at the, at the basic is personal responsibility. And so what I will say is that part of the problem that we have in our society is that we expect people to be gods. No one can make a mistake or we completely cancel them. Yeah. And we're humans, like every single human makes mistakes. And for Jordan Peterson, yeah, he says off color things. He says stuff that people disagree with. But essentially, I think his, his message is amazing and it empowers people to be better in their life. 
And the, the reason that I think that people um, hate him for it is one, he disagrees with a lot of what they call this sort of the leftist mentality, but a lot of it is victimhood mentality. And the things that people, the thing that victims hate the most is if you take away their victimhood and you force them to be responsible for themselves. And that's what I love about him is that he's like, no, you are responsible for yourself regardless of what's happening in your environment. And I think that's why people want to cancel him is because they do, they absolutely psychologically refuse to get out of that victimhood mentality. And for me, that's, it's just a, it's a miserable path and I've seen it and I've kind of been on that and I'm like, I have no interest in that. So that's one part about it. And the other part, and I address this in the hero formula is that as humans, we have to have real life heroes and we have to understand that those real life heroes will not agree with us 100% on everything. And that's the beauty of humans is we all have different opinions, but we have to find this common ground to say, I agree with you on this part and I don't agree with you on this part and that's okay. I'm going to take the good from you and use that for my life. And I don't necessarily have to agree with this, this part of it. And that's fine because you're a different person and you're a different human. And I think that that was that used to be okay for us in our liberal society to be able to, and I, I mean, I went to school and I took political science and I learned how to debate. And that's what they taught us in debate is it's like you, you have these debates and you, you talk about these issues. And at the end of the day, you shake hands and you say, oh, I see where you're coming from in this. And I was coming from this here, but you're still, we're all good. It's all to make a better society. And if you reveal these ideas, no matter how like, you know, uncomfortable they make you at the time, it's a good way for you to explore them and see maybe that's saying something about yourself. And for me, and this is why I love Carl Jung, is that it's like, if stuff someone says really, really makes you angry, you need to ask yourself why, you know, why does this trigger you so much? It's probably something inside you that you either dislike about yourself or that you can't really wrestle with right now. And your your ultimate goal is to figure that out within yourself so that you'll become a better person and a more whole person. And this is what's great about debate. This is what's great about arguing. And this is what's great about ideas that make you go insane is it's like, okay, why am I going insane? It's just an idea. It's just a, st- it's just a statement. It's just an argument. Why does this have to affect me so much that I want to cancel another human? Yeah. Yeah, so true. And Stephen, so why why are we so lousy at taking responsibility for ourselves and playing that kind of blame game on our, on others in society? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the only thing that I can point to, and I, there's probably a whole bunch of reasons, um, is that, like, part of again, when I went to school, we were trained to understand what the what the volley of ideas was and that we all have different ideas and that we can debate them, but they don't have to affect us personally, is that they're just ideas in the whole spectrum of of ideas. And we were trained to respect other people as humans and that we're all on the same side, but they just have different ideas. And I think that that mentality is, is not there anymore. I think there's this idea that that ideas or words are are violence when they're not. Like physical violence is physical violence. It hurts you. The emotional violence that people seem to think they get from words is literally their choice, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, to 
to make themselves feel violated or or like harmed. But you can choose not to be harmed just as soon as you can choose to be harmed and see it as just an idea. And that's a personal choice. That's not someone putting that on you. And I think that, you know, that's what I've, that I've learned. Um, and I think that we no longer teach kids and I mean, modern adults that. I think that we're, we're coddled, as Jonathan Haidt was a, a great, um, The Coddling of the American Mind was another great book that I read. So I read a lot of books about this as well. I'm trying to inform myself of what's going on in society so that I could, you know, help my son grow up and have a, a much more uh, balanced perspective of life. So I think, I hope that answers your question. This is kind of what I think is that we haven't been taught. We're not teaching our kids anymore to be um, to be able to deal with conflict and to deal with discomfort and to deal with other people's ideas. Um, we have a coddled younger generation. You mentioned um, you mentioned the media earlier. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> and um, as someone who spent his whole life in the media, I just I, I'd be interested in finding out what you think uh, about the fact that uh, it, it, everything is so polarized now. There is no middle ground. And I'm not pointing my finger at the media. I'm just saying that in order to get eyeballs, you have to have this sort of confrontation taking place. Um, and um, there is there there is no gray area or room for debate. You're either on one side, and if you're on that side, then you have to hate the other side. And people do use words as weapons or uh, as uh, violent. Uh, verbalizing locker up is a good one. Um, all sorts of things like that are taking place now, uh, and. So first of all, explain why you think this is coming from the media. Uh, and uh, second of all, isn't it really sort of counterproductive? Yeah, so the first question, great question as well. And my context when I say that I blame the media is, so uh, my parents were just not around at all when I was a kid and I was raised by television. And so as I grew up, the media was like my my parents. So in the 70s and 80s, there was a there was a certain type of media that came out. There was lots of good, I'll call them there's lots of good heroic stories. There was lots of stories about people overcoming things. And there was a whole like I grew up with Tom Cruise's cocktail and Tom Cruise's um whatever that uh one where we had the Porsche or whatever. I can't remember the name of the movie anymore. Um, but, uh, and there were these, there's heroic stories that you could latch on to. And for me, the story of Nike and that whole realm and the story of Patagonia and the story of all these, these, um, these like fashion companies or sportswear companies were like heroic stories of me, of people over, overcoming stuff and, and creating these amazing things that were good um, for people. And so when I say, I blame the media. I, I mean, almost mean it personally is that I looked to the media as to be a like a guiding like sort of information for me to live a better life. And when it changed in this whole, I if I really have to blame anyone, it's Al Gore for his movie about like we're all gonna die and we're all gonna like the environment. And so that shifted me. And then things like The Matrix or Fight Club, all of these movies and everything that really informed me that talked about humans as viruses and all this stuff for me 
personally, it it made me think of our society as wrong, as bad, as like consumerism as bad, as me building a company as a bad human because I'm adding more garbage to the planet. This whole mentality of we were wrong, we're wrong as a society and and all that stuff. And that I think is has actually grown. It's like this colonizing, misogynist, um, patriarchal, all of these things that are super, super negative about the idea of, you know, building something and creating and trying to move forward and doing your best and not, you know, being dragged down by the past, but trying to make things better. That's what I mean by the media. And I don't blame the media as like their intent to harm. I, I see it as this sort of like this kind of swarm effect that way. So that's why when I say when I blame the media, it's it's a personal blame because I'm like bitter that I got manipulated by a certain type of media that led me in a way that I wasn't happy with my life. The second part you're saying is, yeah, absolutely that um, the media is a complete uh, crazy world now where there's lots of division and we have an attention economy where negativity and and uh, explosive headlines and things like that really gain. It's like it's car crash mentality. They really get people's attention and that's what gets clicks and that's what that's what gets money. And so that realm definitely is there as well. And so and I don't blame the media for that because they didn't create it. It's just it's what's happened to our what's happened to our media and to our economy is it's based on getting attention and that attention is this polarizing aspect gets the most amount of attention. Yeah. Does that answer your question at all? Well, it certainly does. And, you know, each time you log on in the morning, uh, when you pull up the web page, the main web page that you're on, whether or not it's, you know, Edge or Chrome or what have you, you are uh, constantly bombarded with, you know, be afraid of this. This could kill you. This guy says that guy's an asshole. He says horrible things about her. Those are the things. And of course, you're absolutely right. Underneath all of that, every time you click on something, somebody's getting a buck out of it. But now that I've uh, spoken and I'm, I'm Amy's supposed to talk now, but I'm just going to ask you this. And that is that on the other hand, you're very lucky because you were successful enough that you can live in a trailer on the beach. What about the rest of us poor suckers who are out here? <laughs> I know. As a matter of fact, to that point, um, Stephen, talk about Halliday. It's H-A-L-A-D-A-Y, right? Yep. What is it? Where is it? And, you know, and can you, will you invite Kevin and I to it? <laughs> oh, the, you mean the, the, our little base camp here yeah. in Baja. Yeah. What is so, that? So I'll, I'll, first of all, I'll answer your question first is that this whole setup cost me less than a hundred thousand dollars. So I'm actually, and the reason I wanted to do this, part of the reason I wanted to do this was because in Canada, a home is a million dollars. And I had no interest in buying a home and then being chained to a mortgage for the next 25 years of my life. I was like, this, this whole system doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make any sense to a lot of young people as well. And so I wanted to see how do I, as an entrepreneur, I'm like, how do I get out of this game? Because I don't, I don't see it making sense. And so when I came down here, I'm like, oh, this math really adds up for me. I can get an entire lifestyle and have real estate and property and 
and have freedom as well and get it all for under $100,000. But I had to make some serious choices about shifting my income so that I could do it down here. I could I could work some part of it online and I could also take advantage of some of the property I have and you know rent out some space or create some things that the property could generate money as well so that I could have the lifestyle that I wanted. So it's it's been a lot of choices and I've had to like like I make probably a quarter of what I could if I lived still in Canada and probably a tenth of what I could if I lived in the US. Um, but, but you're I happier. You're happier. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm 50 years old now. So um, I wanted to do, I wanted to be able to do something that I really, really loved and that I could contribute to the world before I died. And I mean, people say, oh, you're only, it's people say either you're 50, you're really old or 50. No, you're not old yet. You say like another 20 or 30 years. Um, and so I was like, yes, if I do, I want to be able to contribute and not be chained by the need to make money every single day. And so I could do the things that I loved and be an artist, be an entrepreneur and explore things and, and give the world something that would help the world. And so I made that choice. So I think that's it. I think that's my answer to your question. Then Amy, can, go, can people like van like, like they lead, like, can they go to your location? Exactly. Yeah. So we open in a week on November 15th cool. for people with vans, RVs. Um, we're going to be setting up glamping tents. So people can come and rent, you know, a tent and be outdoor really right beside me um, and enjoy the the beach and the big acreage that we have and all of the like raw, dusty, dirty desert ocean part of Who, How are you telling people about it, Stephen? So right now it's it's through the van life community that we're kind of I've got friends who are doing it and I've made connections there. And we did a thing last year where we worked with a company that had a bunch of people in the van life community um, coming down here. And so that's really, and then we have an Instagram uh, page called Florida Baja, which is really shows the property and what we're doing. So I've just started to advertise there. And then we're on apps that, that people in the van life community will find like I Overlander is an app where they, if they're traveling, it'll point out all of the sort of van life or glamping spots that they can go to when they're in Baja. So it's it's in that way that we're letting people know in a sort of sort of a, a sort of micro way right now. So and the idea really is to build it out as a almost like an alternative community. If people want to come down here in the winter, you know, and get away from North America, um, they can come down with their vans. They can spend a week. They can spend a few days. They can spend months. Um, and we want to build it. So I'm going to I'm building an outdoor kitchen this year so that we'll have like. There's internet. They'll be able to like do their work if they work online um, from there and really enjoy more of a relaxed sort of warm uh, atmosphere. It's a little bit less expensive to live here as well. The, the food is a little bit cheaper. Um, and of course, it's, you know, I, I charge people $10 a day to stay on the property. So uh, it's pretty cheap. But what I'm trying to do is, is build a community of people that so they have an option for this as part of their life. And even if it's temporary, even if it's just for the winters, they get to see, oh, I can do this and I can enjoy, you know, this part of Baja and and really get a little bit outside of North America and see what that looks like. Because once you get outside, then you, you start to see like, oh, I can tweak my life this way and this way to have a healthier, more balanced life. Hmm. 
Well, you've just mentioned people there. And each week at the end of our uh, podcast, we ask the same question. Um, it sounds to me like you are working to offer people perhaps a different path away from the rat race or what have you that 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 you decided to leave. Um, I've noticed, you know, Bill Gates and and the like still haven't decided to leave that lifestyle yet, but that's that's <laughs> their decision, and yeah. not yours. And that's why uh, maybe I don't know you're smiling. So I'm very glad it works for you. But uh, we've got to ask you before you go because you seem to be doing this for other people. Why do you believe in people? Why do I believe in people? I guess the answer is. I believe in humanity. So I don't, I have to say my cynical side says, I don't necessarily believe in people, but I believe in us as humans. And I believe that we're gonna be here for a long time. And I believe that our intentions are good. And I believe that people just stray if they don't have good information and good structures and, and good outlets. And, um, and I think that's, you know, if I can help be part of that good part of it, then that's going to make me feel like my life has meaning. That's the feeling I want. And then I can die and be like, yep, I'm good. And then when I come back, because I believe that I'll come back in some sort of way in this energy sort of realm that we're in, that the next version will be able to do more of that. Even thank you so much. I'm so glad you got your smile back. Well, my pleasure. Uh, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I and see you guys are smiling too, so that makes me feel good. It works. <laughs> it, it is infectious. And of course, we'll see you on the beach. Thank you. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. Well, that was kind of inspiring, uh, primarily because um, I think in a world where we're all searching for success, who isn't? We all are. I still am. Um, it's nice uh, to meet someone with a perspective that says, well, you know, maybe success is a personal thing for you. And if you can find happiness doing something outside of trying to make a million bucks every day, then, you know, why not go for it? He seems pretty happy. Yeah. And, you know, I'm inspired by uh, the options in life because sometimes we just don't know. You know, we don't know. We don't know. So, I mean, Stephen gives a perspective that really um, allows us to carve another path for ourselves. And that's what I think I'm so inspired by because it takes a lot of courage actually to follow your own heart and um and you know i i uh i, I learned a lot from the the van life so to speak and his way of living and if you've been inspired by uh steven's um conversation today with uh, us then we encourage you to subscribe to believe in people because we believe in you thanks everyone thanks 